Well, give me just a second to let my heart slow down just a minute. This is always a little bit intimidating for me. Uh, when I'm over there with the kids, I get hugs and little squeezes, and they say, I love you so much, Miss Leslie. And you guys, I hope you never do that. But, um, but I'm so, Delia, maybe, maybe later, maybe later. Um, I am glad to be here with you guys this morning. Um, big people always, like I said, always intimidate me a little bit, but that's all right. We're going to hang out together for just a few minutes. Um, over the last few weeks, for those of you who haven't been, or been here or don't know, we have been going through a series called Grace Is. We've had a number of different speakers, four guys before me actually, who have all given us their word on what they believe grace is, or at least a part of what it is. Clark reminded us that grace is scandalous. Um, Matt reminded us, kind of stole Clark's word, and told us that grace was scandalous-er. So Matt is allowed to do that. Uh, Bill taught us that grace is intentional. It's been around since the foundations of the world. And last week, Rick encouraged us and helped us remember that grace is graceful. Um, and there's so much into, in it. There's so much we can never reach the end of it. And now here I am to give you my two cents that hopefully by the end of today, you think it makes at least a little sense. Did you see it coming? It was going to happen. I know. I mean, kind of a dad joke, but I think as a mom, I can steal it for a second, right? Um, when I thought about what grace is, my first word was going to be favor. And I thought, I'm going to talk about favor. That's how I explain it to the kids. I talk about our favorite blanket and our favorite toy and how we take special care of it. But the more I kind of thought about it, I thought that everything that every one of us has said is true, right? It's true. Grace is the truth. And so that's what we're going to call today is grace is the truth. For me, with grace, I didn't have one like aha moment where it all kind of sunk in and made sense. It, it's kind of like it was a, like a journey or a sinking in, um, a maturing even, a progressing of understanding of grace and how it applies to our lives. And I think it started pretty young in my life. I've told you before that I had great parents who represented the Father well, right? They loved us and cared for us. Uh, while we had behavior expectations, for sure, we knew that love wasn't contingent upon our behavior or how well we behaved. Growing up, I also had coaches. I've told you before, I was a swimmer, and I was really lucky uh, to have two great coaches that influenced my life. One, uh, Bob Bash, uh, was his name, and he was my coach from the time I was about eight years old all the way through high school. And then the other coach that really influenced me was Rick Klatt. He was my coach during the summers of my college years. Both of these men poured hours and hours, literally hours and hours into our lives and taught us things and encouraged us and, and raised us up to be better than we thought we could be. They pushed us, they corrected us, they told us to put our hand in the water, you know, not this way, but this way. They made little adjustments so that we could be better. And they both genuinely cared about us as athletes and young people, but they cared for us um, not just about our performance, but about who we are and about who we were becoming. And um, I remember one, 
One story uh, that kind of reflects their care for us. When I was about 12, uh, Bob was coaching us, and it was, we were coming to the end of a workout, and he gave us a challenge. And if we could complete the challenge, then we could get out early. And the challenge was for us to swim 50 meters without taking a breath. So now that's a hard challenge for sure, but not impossible. So it was a 25-meter pool, and so we had to swim one lap, turn around, and come back without breathing. And we started the challenge, and a couple people made it on the first one, and they got to get out. I didn't. And then we tried it again, and a couple more people made it. I still didn't. I think we tried it three or four times. I, I don't remember how many times I tried it, but that day, I couldn't do it. I swam one, I did my turn, and about halfway back, every single time I tried, I had to come up for air. And I just couldn't get it, no matter how hard I tried. And finally, I lost it. And in a very 12-year-old fashion, I swam to the end of the pool, I threw off my cap and goggles, I threw them on the ground, I stomped off, and I said, I quit! I was ready to quit the whole thing because I couldn't compete the challenge. I walked into the locker room. By the time I got there, I realized what a dummy I was being. I put my head in my hands. I was so embarrassed. I was mortified. I knew that I was going to have to leave that locker room and face Bob, this man who, was so much, who meant so much to me. So I got dressed. I walked out. And sure enough, there he was standing there. I think everybody else had gone by this point. He was standing there holding the cap and goggles that I had thrown on the floor. And as I walked towards him, he stepped towards me, and without saying a word, he hugged me, and that was it. He didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to say anything. I knew in that moment that he forgave me. And it was a powerful moment for me and for Bob um, and our relationship from there. Um, I didn't ever throw a fit like that again, maybe other fits, but not one to that extent. He just forgave me, uh, even though I didn't ask for it. Now, Rick, uh, remember, Rick was like college years, and so there was one summer with Rick when I was trying to qualify for senior nationals, and I had... Um, Tried three times to qualify in this one event, at this one meet. I tried three times and missed qualifying all three times by hundredths of seconds. So if you take a second, 1,001, you chop it up into 100 pieces, okay, by two or three of those is what I was missing qualifying for this massive event. I did it three times. I was on my fourth try. Um, end of the meet, again, hardly anybody else there. Uh, swimmer, the, they say, swimmers, take your mark, go. I went, I swam my race, I hit the wall. I looked up at the giant electronic scoreboard to see my time, and once again, I didn't hit the mark. I missed it by two one-hundredths of a second. All told, all four times I tried, it was less than a second that I missed it by when you added up all the one-hundredths together. It was painful. Um... So when I hit, I looked at the board, I saw I didn't make it, I got out of the pool, I was talking to myself, okay, don't throw a fit, God, this is disappointing, I'm devastated, but you're here and we're going to figure this out, just don't let me throw a fit, don't let anybody see me cry, let me get dressed and get out of here before I break down, is kind of how I'm thinking, right? So I go down to the end of the pool, little, little to my knowledge, 
my dad, who is kind of the hero of this story, my dad had been watching the clock, working the meat and watching the clock the whole time. And he had noticed that the board had been glitching, right? And so when he saw my time, he, he just had a hunch. So he went and he checked the ticker tape. There was this little tape that would record all of our times. And he checked it. And sure enough, on the tape, the time that was recorded, I had made it. So he called Rick over and he's like, look, do you see? I think she made it. They double checked it with the rest of the officials. And in fact, the time was legit on the tape. The board was wrong. The tape was right. And Rick couldn't contain himself. He started running down the pool. It's a 50-meter pool, Olympic size, right? So it's long. He was this big, tall guy, 6'4". Leslie, you made it. The board was wrong. And he just ran all the way to me. Again, scooped me up in his arms, gave me the biggest old hug ever. He and my dad had done something for me that I would have never done myself, that I couldn't have done for myself, right? They stood up on my behalf. One more quick story about Rick. That same guy, that same coach who encouraged me and helped me and rejoiced with me, sat me down one day. This wasn't a fun one for me, but he sat me down one day and he said, all right, Leslie, what are we going to do about those 10 pounds? I was carrying about 10 pounds more than I should have, and he knew it was slowing me down. He knew it was keeping me from being the very best that I could be. He knew what my goals were, and he lovingly talked to me about those 10 pounds. Now, as somebody who has, mm, I joined Weight Watchers for the first time when I was 13, Okay, someone who has always struggled with that, it was a hard conversation, but you know what? It was coming from a place where I knew he cared about me and he wanted the best for me. And I think it's these kinds of experiences that made it easier for me to receive grace. It wasn't a shock to me that God loved me, that I needed an advocate, that, that God did everything for me that I couldn't do for myself. Because grace loved without condition. Grace showed up even when I was being a punk and I was offered and it offered me or extended me forgiveness. Grace showed up when I needed an advocate, someone who could see and do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And grace even showed up when I needed a little correction. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the truth of grace and how it shows up in our lives. But before I do, I want to mention really quickly the letter that we gave out last week. If you weren't here and you're in the room today, um, there's some more outside on the table. Uh, go ahead and pick one of those up. If you are online and you're watching, you can email us at info at graceorlando.com to get a copy of those. We would love to have them, um, put them in your hands. And what I want to just mention just briefly is how, um, is the mission and vision statement, okay? So our mission statement is to teach and encourage people with the truth of the gospel and the revelation of grace. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, let us hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our meeting together, as is the habit of some. I let, he sounds a little snarky there, doesn't he? As is the habit of some. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's, whoever the writer of Hebrews is, that sounds a little, I 
read it this morning. I was like, oh gosh, she's being a little snarky. Um, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. We will continue to confess our hope in the gospel, and there will always be room to learn and to encourage one another in grace. Our vision's pretty simple, too. Um, we made them short and simple so that we could remember them, right? Because <laughs> that's important when it comes to a vision and a mission statement. So our vision statement is this. We want to become a community who has received, and the past tense part of that is on purpose, a community who has received and is extending the present is on purpose, too. We have received and we is, we are extending God's grace. First Peter 4.10 says, as each one of us has received a special gift, employ it, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. I love that multi, multifaceted grace of God. There's so many layers to it. There's so many pieces to it. There's so many colors and rhythms to it that we need all of you to be a part of it with us. So we're excited about what God is doing here. There's a sweetness here that just blows me away every Sunday. And we're excited about what he's going to do. So make sure you get one of those letters if you haven't. And all of that I can say today because it is directly, directly tied to the truth of grace for me. Um, I'll be honest. I always stress out about these times Anyway, normally, I mean, it's normal to stress out a little bit. Like I said, y'all are a little bit intimidating to me. But this time, there was something different. I uh, was not in a good place on Friday morning. I wanted to run away. I wanted to give up. I wanted to say, peace out. Um, we can throw up a video, right? And I wanted to throw up. <laughs> I mean, let's just say, there it is. I mean, there was a moment where I thought, oh, this is not going well. And Alan was home from work, and I, I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he could tell that I was about to, you know, not be doing well. And he said, okay, here's what you need to do. Figure out, figure out why you care so much and talk about that. And it was like, okay figure out why I care so much. So what I did is I wrote that on a little post-it note, and I said, why do I, why do I care so much? And I said, I also felt prompted to say, what are you afraid of? And I put that on a post-it note. And a couple more questions, and I put them on post-it notes. And then I started thinking about all of you. And I wrote so many of your names down on these little post-it note pieces of paper, remembering who it was I was talking to. I'm just talking to y'all. <laughs> like... That's okay, right? So I sat there and, and, I, put, and I, I had to answer the question, who are you afraid of hearing this that you're about to say? And what is it that you're afraid of? And so I sat there, I took a few deep breaths with my little post-it notes all over our coffee table and I started figuring it out. I started writing. I think the reason I care so much I think what was so stressful to me is because we're talking about grace, lowercase g, grace, like the message of grace, but we're also talking about grace, capital G grace, this church, you people. Um, I have a lot, grace, lowercase grace, the message, 
altered our lives radically a number of years ago. In fact, in March 2012, uh, Clark was talking about mixture, and I wrote a little note in the, on the bulletin, and I said, we might lose everything because of this. I still have the bulletin. I can show it to you after church if you want. We might lose everything because of this. And you know what? We lost a lot in the next couple of years. Some of it tied directly to grace and some of it just the way life happens. But we did lose a lot. So it's altered our past. It's a part, grace is a part of my everyday. I can't yell at my kids without the word grace showing up in my mind. You guys need to be nicer to each other. Really? Leslie, that's how you're going to tell them to be nicer to each other. Maybe we need to, you know, step back a bit, take a moment, and remember who you are, remember who they are, and maybe talk to them a little more lovingly. And grace will absolutely guide my, my future, right? But grace here, this church, you people have been a part of my past too. We've been here since the beginning, right? 16 years ago. Grace is absolutely a part of my everyday life, right? You guys are a part of my everyday life. And no matter what, no matter what the future holds, we all get to spend eternity together. So grace, both lowercase g and capital G, are part of my past, my present, and my future. And the truth is that through this message of grace, lowercase g, and in this place called grace, I learned that our good will never be good enough to lose God's favor. We'll never be good enough. And I've learned that our bad will never be bad enough to lose his favor either. Our good will never be good enough. Our bad will never be bad enough to lose God's favor. And I learned that grace is truth. It just is. Grace is truth. As you guys know, grace, grace is favor. It's kindness. Um, it's, all, it's all those things that we know. It's a gift or a blessing brought to man by Jesus. What I love are these two things. Grace is the way God freely extends himself towards us, towards people, so that he can give himself away. God is reaching towards people. Grace is God reaching towards people and pulling them in because he's inclined or disposed to bless them. It's a leaning. How many of you guys have seen while you're sleeping? Leaning. Okay, I really wanted to show the clip. If you haven't seen it, it's worth it. But God is leaning towards us in order to share the benefits that come with being a part of his family. Truth, on the other hand, is reality, right? It's the opposite of illusion. Uh, opposite of illusion. Proverbs 12, 9 tells us that it's eternal, it's everlasting. And in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth is also Jesus. So Matt and Rick... Um, Clark, all the guys, Bill talked about kind of coming to grace because they were wrestling with scriptures and they were wrestling with theology. 
not my story, I'm not that smart. <laughs> okay, for me, grace came in such a way, Clark laid it out so logically, um, and then when it combined with my past, I just kind of felt like I bumped into it. You know how the Bible says that Noah found favor and Mary found favor? That's kind of what I felt like. Like I just kind of bumped into it, I kind of happened upon this thing called grace. When Isaac and Molly were little, we signed them up for a bowling league, all right? Molly was about this big. She's, she's a pretty timid child by nature. Well, actually, until you cross her, then she's not timid at all. But when you first meet her, she comes across as being kind of timid. Um, she was this big. Uh, she's in this bowling league. She would inevitably go and get the smallest ball there, you know, I mean, and, and then barely be able to carry it. She would take the ball. She would walk up to the line. Basically, she would set the ball on the ground like this, and then give it a little push, and whoom, 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 whoom. The ball would travel down the lane, right? And like I said, kind of inevitably, it would kind of veer to one side, and it would hit the bumpers that were guarding the gutters, and would kind of bump into it, and then the bumpers would kind of, you know, correct, you know, the trajectory of the ball, and then maybe it would go over here and bump again, and it would just slowly make its way down. Molly sometimes waited until the ball actually hit the pins. Sometimes she didn't. It took so long, she had absolutely lost interest, and she would walk off. But everyone around us would stop and watch because it was fascinating to see this ball traveling down the lane. And I am telling you, more than it should have ever happened, Molly would bowl a strike, and the entire place would in, erupt in cheers and screams and yelling, and Molly the whole time was like, ah, oh, she didn't know what was going on, but they were so happy for her. And when Rick mentioned John 1.14 last week, that happens to be one of those verses that I bumped into. I bumped into, I was traveling down a lane, I was doing okay, and I bumped into that verse, and it changed the trajectory of my life. John 1.14 says, and the word, okay, all right, I have to pause here for just a second. So remember when I was talking about uh, struggling with this message, and the, and the word, the thoughts were there, but I just, I, I couldn't get the words out. They were here, and I just couldn't formulate the words. Have you ever thought about how Jesus, as the word, is the expression of God's thoughts. I don't know, that, that just is cool to me, that Jesus himself is the expression of God's thoughts. So, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Until I bumped into grace, I believed that this verse said something like, within God, there's this balance, this perfect balance of truth and grace. Can I have that? Truth and grace, all right? Truth was his nice side, right? His loving side, the side that we all like. Nope, that's grace. I'm so sorry, I think I said it wrong. Grace was the nice soft side that we all liked, and truth was kind of the hard, like, right or wrong, you better be careful or else you're going to suffer the consequences side, right? Anybody ever heard or thought that kind of, of that verse, right? Well, 
Alan tells a story about a preacher. Can you hear that? Told, told a story about a preacher. And he said like this, our witness, the preacher said, must be like a velvet brick. Okay, this is a brick. It's hard. It's heavy. All right? The truth is like a brick. It's hard and unchanging. But the velvet surrounding the brick is grace. We must, as believers, be soft to the touch, unabrasive, and when, when our velvet begins to wear thin, we must ask the Lord to repair it. Can I tell you something? No matter how thick the velvet on this brick, if it were to hit you upside the head, you would be in trouble. There's nothing glorious about the hardness of this brick, all right? There's nothing about it that is soft, and yes, I want you to get it. <laughs> it's heavy, all right? It's a little harsh for me. I didn't fit. That kind of truth didn't fit with me and what I knew about God. Because what I was learning about grace is that the truth is not something to fear. Being hit by that brick would be something to fear, I'm telling you. The truth isn't the reality that God is seeking to condemn. It's not the truth. You better behave or else. That's not the truth here. There's a song. There's a song um, called As Me. I don't know how many of you heard of Victory Boyd. She's the woman who was going to sing the national anthem a few, uh, maybe a month ago. Um, for the NFL, right, for one of the opening games. She was supposed to sing it, and uh, they didn't allow her to because she wasn't vaccinated. Now, this is not a story about being vaccinated or not. I'm just telling you that she's that woman so that you can remember her and go look her up, all right? Um, so I looked her up. I listened to the, I, I came across her when I was, like, scrolling through Facebook one day. I looked her up. I, I have heard the national anthem so many times. I was like, oh, let me hear what she's got. And it, it, it blew me away. It's just her and her guitar, and she sings it, and it's amazing. So I kind of was looking up, like, what else has she done? And I found that she did this song called As Me. And the lyrics go something like this. I couldn't thank you more. You didn't just die for, but as me, as me. You died and rose again as me. You stood in my place. I'm a miracle of grace, and I'm free as me. I wanted to sing it to you, but I chickened out. Um, it's a powerful, powerful truth. What, you want me to sing it? I, every time I keep seeing you, Rick, because it, you, you danced, I'm like, oh, what should I sing? Um, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> um, but look it up. As me, it is the sweetest, sweetest song, and it just it gets in your head, and it won't leave. And it's helping me to remember that the truth is, for by grace are we saved through faith. That's already been said this morning, right? 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The truth is for freedom we have been set free, and we are free indeed. The truth is that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If we have any questions about who the Father is or what he said or what he's done, you know what? We can look at Jesus and we can figure it out. Jesus is the guy clearing the path, clearing it so that the little snot-nosed dirty kids could come to him. Those kids like us, right? Jesus is the guy who hung on the cross, who, who was suffering for our sin, and he said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? Jesus is the guy who's looking at the thief next to him, says, you know what, I, I know you can't do anything about your sin. I know you can't do anything to be more righteous. I know you can't do anything about sanctification. But you know what? Today, I'm going to see you in heaven. And truth is that Jesus is the guy who said it is finished. When it comes to our sin, when it comes to all of that truth, that right and wrong stuff, Jesus finished it. And it got buried with him, right? And then Jesus is also the guy. The truth is Jesus is the guy that, that rose to new life and offers us that new life. And according to John 14, 6, we know that, that Jesus really is the truth. So here's your first fill-in if you're a fill-in kind of person. I am, so I kind of decided to go old school, and I gave you little fill-ins. But truth is not the balancer of grace. Truth doesn't, it's not about balancing. Truth is the reality of grace. And this fact absolutely changed my life. Because when we realize that grace is the truth, it shows up in our lives. It just shows up. And the truth is, the truth of grace changes the way we see, changes the way you see yourself, and it changes the way you see others. It can't help but do that. And in full disclosure, this is the part that I kind of really wrestled with. It's easy to talk about God and how awesome he is and all that kind of stuff and how we can relate to him. That's actually fairly easy for me. It's a lot harder to talk about how we relate to each other. Sometimes it's hard to teach something that you still feel like you're learning. It's hard to be a teacher sometimes if you feel like you're smack dab in the middle of learning and you don't quite have it figured out yet. You guys remember learning algebra? Now, some of you may have to go back to arithmetic in order for the analogy to work. You might have to go back to, you know, adding and subtracting, multiplying and dividing. But some of us can think about algebra. But remember learning algebra and that moment it kind of finally clicked? Like, oh, all I have to do is follow this formula and it kind of clicks and it makes sense. Like I said, to some of us it made sense, some of us maybe not. But, um... As logical as it was and as much sense as it made, sometimes in the working out of the problems, we still got the answers wrong, right? So you would have to go back and we'd have to do it again and we'd have to practice and practice and practice. It was logical, made sense, but we still made mistakes and we still had to practice. But the more we did it, the better we got at it. Well, that's kind of how I feel about this truth of grace. It made sense to my head, but I'm still practicing it. The absolute truth in here of grace, I get it. 
in my innermost being, but sometimes it gets messed out, messed up as it comes out through my flesh. And it does with all of us. And it's hard when we talk about it in the way that we relate to others. Our flesh wants to see people as good or evil. We do. We want to go to that tree. We want to divide. We want to say one's good and one's evil. We want to say of ourselves, <laughs> we are good or we're evil. But the reality of grace won't let us do it. Our flesh wants to hide and distort our mistakes to the point where they don't really look like they're ours anymore. I do it all the time. I catch myself doing it all the time. But the reality of grace won't let us do it. Our flesh wants to worry. We want to stay angry. We want to be anxious, right? We want to seep. Our flesh wants to seep into this darkness and hide. But the reality is grace won't let us. And our flesh wants to run away lots of times. Boy, last Friday morning, I wanted to run <laughs> away, right? But the reality of grace won't let us because grace leans in. Grace extends itself. Grace pulls close even when it's uncomfortable. Grace listens when we're hurting and acknowledges who the healer is. Grace shows up and gives us space to make our own mistakes. I tell that to my kids all the time. This space right here, like you can make a mistake here. It's okay. Let's just own it and figure out how to fix it, right? Grace shows up even when we act like punks and throw fits. Grace shows up when we're experiencing little successes and says, girl, you did it. That's grace too. And grace shows up even when we're veering away from what we know to be true and gives us that little bump and changes our trajectory. The reality or the truth of grace reminds us that we have an advocate, one who will never fail, one who is patient and kind, one who isn't boastful, who isn't arrogant or rude, one who doesn't insist on his own way or is irritable or resentful. Aren't you guys glad our advocate isn't irritable? He could get so irritated with me all the time, right? Who does our advocate rejoices with us in truth but not in wrongdoing. We have an advocate who bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and shows up time after time. And in him is faith and hope and love. And all we have to do is receive them. The truth about grace is that it shows up every time and it helps us and, it, and it's ours to receive. And the more we receive, the more we receive, the more we can give away. And the more we practice giving it away, hopefully, right, the hope, the faith is hopefully we get better at it. We'll never be perfect in our flesh. We'll never do it perfectly, but we can get better. So let's get better together, okay? Let's pray. Thanks, God, for who you are again, for all that you've done for all that you've given. And for, especially this morning, I'm just so thankful for these people that, that are in this place and that are online joining us. God, it's so awesome to be a part of your family. 
Your grace is amazing, and it is the truth. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.